This episode is brought to you by ClickFunnels. ClickFunnels is a tool we use here at Boss Free Society. You can easily create opt-in and lead capture pages, sales order pages, webinar pages, auto webinars, and membership sites. You can get a two-week free trial by going to bossfreesociety.com forward slash click and special for our boss free ballers when you sign up to get your free trial we will send you a complete sales funnel built by russell brunson shut the front door tim yes it's true patty it is true and again you can find that at bossfreesociety.com forward slash click well, hello, Boss Free Ballers. It is episode 59 of the Boss Free Society podcast, and today we're interviewing Dr. Loke Trevetti. And the good doctor is going to be talking about his work as a professional speaker and consultant. He consults with Fortune 500 sales teams, president of Mental Toughness University, and is going to be dropping the goods around being mentally tough and what it takes. Now, this whole episode has so much to do with our mindset around sales if you're in network marketing or sales or are looking to have a personal turnaround in your life to create a new result, then this show is for you. Make sure to catch the show notes at bossresociety.com forward slash show 59. Again, that is show 59, where you can follow the show notes and receive the information on how to connect with Dr. Loke, as well as, of course, the giveaways that we have. Follow us, please, on Periscope at Boss Re Society, on Twitter at Boss Re Society, as well as on Facebook. Join the Boss Re Society Dojo. Here we go. Do you believe there is more to your career than waiting for the gold watch in 40 years? Did you know that the average American spends 200 hours a year commuting to a job they probably hate? Does it frost your ass to get a 2% raise that barely keeps up with the rate of inflation? Have you ever worked for a boss hole? We know how you feel, and we want to help. Welcome to the Boss Free Society Podcast, your entertaining entrepreneur therapy session with your hosts, Tim Wambach and Patty Dominguez. Couch not included. We're back in the studio, and we have another great guest for our Boss Free Ballers. Patty, when do we not bring a, a kick-ass guest on That's show? true. We're just up in our game every single time, bringing in for our ballers, just really introducing them to different people with different professional careers and what they've done, either to reinvent themselves or take their careers to the next level. It's truly inspiring. And really, the intention is for us to to give you guys a roadmap of not only the successes that you see before you, but collaborating with these people and what Dr. Loke, it's Dr. Loke, sorry, <laughs> I gave it away. Gave it away. With Dr. Okay, Dr. Loke, um, he comes from a, a stellar pedigree. He's going to be talking about mental toughness, about collaboration and competition. And here is his bio, Tim. I'm not going to steal your thunder. Go ahead. Oh, you know, that's okay. We have Dr. Alok Traviti on, uh, on our podcast today. Uh, he is a professional speaker and a consultant for Fortune 500 sales teams. He's an expert in increasing sales and retention rates through Mental Toughness University. As a doctor, Alok has been captivated with mental and physical aspects of healing, 
and performance. He has studied the field of higher thinking and human performance since 1993. That's almost 23 years, Patty, just so you're, you're, yeah, you're, I'm doing you're the listening. Numbers. Yeah, doing the numbers. Oh, I guess it's all, yeah, it is almost 23 years. It's 22 years, I guess. Dr. Alok built one of the largest alternate, alternative health care clinics in the world through his nonlinear methods of healing and business practices. Soon afterwards, he partnered with Steve Siebold and began helping companies increase sales and performance. Some of their corporate clients include Johnson & Johnson, Procter & Gamble, and Toyota. He speaks globally for companies delivering keynotes and trainings. The Boss Free Society podcast welcomes Dr. Alok Trevidi. Welcome, Doctor. Thanks, Tim. Thank you, Patty. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate it. We're excited to have you, Dr. Alok. And first and foremost, you're a chiropractor by trade, and now you're in the in the world of, of keynote speaking and sales training and, and mental toughness. Can you kind of give us a little bird's eye view of how you were able to make that transition? Yeah, I don't think I fully made that transition. I'm still working on it. <laughs> <laughs> the way that it works, you know, you're always working in that from where you've come from, right? You, you start in a beginning and you carry that on with you where you go. Um, for me, it was pretty simple. I mean, I've always been interested in the aspects of performance and how to be better, become better. Uh, being a chiropractor really allowed me to experience a lot of that and uh, see people in their symptoms and their sickness, but also transform them into performance, from sickness to performance. And then the greatest uh, thing that I learned from it was that it was it was a lot of it was psychological, like a lot of it was psychosomatic. And that being the case, you could see that 80% of your practice where people were dealing with more psychological issues than true physical ailments. And it kind of led me into the idea of performance and then uh, had the opportunity to work, meet Steve and, and we gelled, we worked together and then we started doing some work together and you know, seven years later, here we are. So how, how did you meet Steve? I mean, why don't you give a little bird's eye view of who Steve is for those people that may not know uh, Steve, even though they probably have seen him all over the TV. <laughs> yes, yeah, he's been all over the TV. He's been on Good Morning America, Today Show, CNN, Barney. Steve Siebold is, we used to be a professional athlete, a professional tennis player, made it to the top 500 in the world, realized that he couldn't get any further. And the reason why was because he didn't have the consistency in his game. And it was the mental aspects of it and basically became an expert on something that uh, he needed most. And as we all kind of do, we learn what we need the most and we became an expert in mental toughness, myself included. Um, learned the aspects of mental toughness through not only just an academic standpoint practically, but also in my own life and in, in starting my practice with nothing and building it to one of the larger practices in the world. It was all about the psychological state that you can keep yourself in a high state of performance. So how did, how did you meet Steve? I, w I went to his uh, Bill Gold speech workshop where he uh, conducted, and I was learning to be a professional speaker, and I went to this workshop, and him and I just gelled, and he said, Let, let's start doing some work together, started working, training, the whole process, and here, here it is. Awesome. So here's a great example of collaboration. I mean, you reached out to Steve, and in, and in essence, he was teaching you, but then you took it a step further, and not, were not only a participant in his program, but took it to the next level to create a relationship, and now a business partnership. Just for the people who are looking to really follow a mentor or, or have that dream of saying, oh, I'd love to collaborate with, you know, X mentor, et cetera. How did you make that happen? I mean, how did you open the door to stand out? Well, when you get an opportunity, for me, I had opportunities that were given to me that uh, you have to excel at. All people are going to work on a set of values and what's important to them. If you as the mentee can find out what's important to the mentor and be able to give them what it is that they're looking for through your uh, affiliation, relationship, whatever it is, 
then they're more apt to listening to you. But the thing that most people in mentee-mentor relationships, because we get people every day calling Steve and myself saying, well, you mentor me, well, you mentor me. Mm. Okay, what's in it for the mentor? Because most people, the mentees, are looking at it from a selfish standpoint, and it's all about them. It's really not about them. You have to give the other person what they want, and they can, they can assist you in getting you what you want. Well, it's truly about give and take, right? It's how if you want value, you have to give that value in return because it just can't be a one-sided thing. So I think that's a real critical key learning for the people that are listening to understand that if you are looking or seeking that higher level of teaching from a mentor, take that away as a great example of somebody that's implemented that very successfully and now is in a business partnership. So to that point on the business partnership front, talk to us a little bit about what your mental toughness Uh, program is all about. Sure. The mental toughness program, really, if you take mental toughness, I heard this uh, great line the other day, and and it makes a lot of sense. Someone said this about mental toughness. I'd love to say it's my own quote. It's not, but I'm going to say it as if it's my own. (laughs) He said mental toughness is a, it's not a definition. It's a way of life. And if you think about it, it kind of makes a lot of sense. When you look at these athletes and the extreme performers in the world, they go get what it is they want. And what we define mental toughness as at the university here is we say that mental toughness is about getting what you want under extreme pressure situations. It's about knowing how to control your emotions under extreme pressure situations where most people, if you look at it, they let the pressure of any situation break them down or they stop. And that situation stops people from moving forward in any aspect of their life, whether it be from weight loss to making more money to business to you know, sales, which is where we work a lot of our energy in, in pursuing the next level of sales because everyone has the ability to do it. I believe that every person has the ability to do what it is they want to do. However, do they have the mental toughness to stick to it when it gets tough? Most people, unfortunately, have gotten a little bit soft. Stanford did a study a long time ago, I think it was late in the 60s, that stated that people who have a softer upbringing and more, more supported during their young 20s end up to being more introverts and more entrepreneurs and people who are more... Uh, challenged in their early 20s, end up becoming entrepreneurs. Hmm. And they end up becoming more and doing more and saying that I'm not going to live by someone else's rules and they go make their own. Oh, excellent. So so who is your, who's your program for? Specifically, I mean, do you have an, an avatar in mind? Uh, we speak to salespeople. So vice president of sales, uh, we do a lot of work with direct selling network marketing companies as well. You know, network marketing is one of my favorite, favorite industries to work with. And just simply because you know, every one of those people is hungry. They, they want better for themselves. And I can appreciate that. And I've been there and I, I've wanted more. I mean, I started my practice with $11.42 in my bank account. Mm. So I remember having nothing. And then, but these are, these are the, the life and bread. And these are the people that remind me of my family growing up that wanted better, wanted to do more, have more. And uh, they're independent entrepreneurs that have the ability to make whatever they want out of their lives. And they're given the vehicle through network marketing to do it. They just have to get mentally tough and do it. So now we have, I'm sure we have a lot of network marketers that are listening to, to our podcast. What is a couple things that you can uh, instill in them to, I don't know if necessarily say acquire mental toughness, but what can they do so that mental toughness is at the forefront? Yeah, sure. So let me, let me go through a process that uh, just uh, something interesting. I'll say it this way. And it sounds like a, maybe a, a personal development plat- platitude or something like that, but it's not, it's actually, it really works. Um, part of my work in the Mental Toughness University is the evidence behind the psychological process. So I do a lot of neurological work. So the idea of someone 
getting getting through the uh, approval addiction. Approval addiction is something that we all stem from. It's one of the the biggest conditions or diseases psychotherapists call as as in the world. And the idea of getting approval from everyone stops people from moving forward. Mm. And they get rejected and they get stomped on and they get beaten on. And they say, you know what? I can't do this anymore because I need the approval of the people that I'm talking to. My mother, my father, my brother, my sister, my husband, my wife. And they won't. And I can't move forward unless they support me. So here's a tactic and a tool that you can use and an idea, just a concept and something to consider at least is – what if that approval switched to challenge in another area of your life? Would you still want to pursue their approval? For most people, it doesn't. If someone who's supporting you in a process automatically turns it to a challenge, we tend to move them away from what it is we're going towards. And we seek the idea of supporters who are moving us in that direction. That's why network marketing, if you think about it, the leaders have great support from their team. And the beautiful thing about network marketing is that someone said this in a, at one of the meetings, and I heard this, and I thought it made a lot of sense, is that, you know, they call it this pyramid type thing, right? Right. And top down and, you know, people at the top make all the money. I actually look at it a little bit differently. The people at the top are the ones with the greatest amount of responsibility because they're the ones who actually have to lead and drive the team and do the most work. Just like a CEO in an organization, the CEO of the organization should be paid the most because they have the greatest amount of responsibility to set the direction for the team. That's right. A leader in a network marketing company is no different. That's right. So the idea of approval addiction, I guess you could say it this way. I like the approval, but I don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So it's it's really important to understand that as that could be the it's one of the things that most people keeps them frozen and in their place to say, oh, well, what are people going to think about me? What are people going to think about me if I if I reach out to them? Um, they're not going to think that this is credible or that I could do this, etc. At what point, you know, can you give us a really quick tip, if possible, for the listeners of how they could forge ahead even beyond that? I'll give you a technique real easy. If you do it, it'll work. I guarantee it. Okay. Whatever the approval is that you're searching for, flip the question around and ask yourself, what if they challenge me, and then what's the benefit of doing that? So can we do a little role play with you and Tim, doctor? <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Tim, go ahead. Yeah, you can be the guinea pig. I'll watch. Okay, so coach me, doctor. I don't know what to do. I have this network marketing business that is, I want it to work so bad. This would be really meaningful for my family. I want to be a stay-at-home mom, but I, I can't get through it in my head. I, I have such a fear of, of rejection, of what people are going to think about me. Okay, so go to the moment where you feel rejected. Tell me who's rejecting you. My best friend is rejecting me. Right. Okay. So your best friend is rejecting you. If they were accepting you, what would make what would be bad about that? It wouldn't be. I'd be so happy if she was accepting me. Would you? Because then she's not challenging you to push you. See, the thing is, is that Patty, what happens is we look at we look at challenge as a negative thing, and this is where mental toughness comes in. Pressure leads to performance. When someone is at, all good things come out of things that are stressful scenarios. If you're not under a challenging situation, if your friends aren't challenging, your family isn't challenging. You're not growing. That's right. We have this idea, this concept that everyone is always going to support us, which is really leading us to a mass state of delusion. That's where <laughs> approval addiction comes in. It's very true. That's an excellent point. It's you true. think about it. I mean, we're, we're in America, and statistically, this is a, a little dated, but six years ago, but 56% of women between the ages of 25 and 66 
are on some sort of antidepressive medication. I mean, the, the numbers are staggering. If we look at it, we've been deluded by our society to say that everyone is always going to support us. Things are always going to be happy. And where did that fantasy come in from women? Probably Cinderella. Right. And, and that's true. It's kind of like everyone, everyone getting a, a participation medal. Right. Like that. Exactly. That that is a way for you. There's there has to be competition for those growing up. You have to have you have have to skid your knee in order to be able to ride the bike. Right. I mean, you can't just get on it and ride it. You need you need to have some failure. You have to. I mean, that's why venture capitalists don't invest in people who haven't failed. If you've only succeeded your entire life, you've never grown. That's why failure is the greatest gift we have. And, and the idea in network marketing, as we're talking about it, Patty, and the idea with network marketing is that the rejection is not there to, to break you down and beat you up. It's there, there to make you stronger. It's to challenge you enough to say, hey, do you have enough to want the things out of your life that you say you want? You know, the thing is, is most people don't have that toughness. That's what we train because it's a trained process. It's not a... It's not an accident. It's not a reason. It's not by mistake that guys like, you know, the athletes of the world, the Tom Brady's, the, the Peyton Manning's, the I'm trying to think of someone in, in sports who hasn't used a drug recently. <laughs> <laughs> Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods. You know, whether it's personal, personal life aside, I mean, the guy's a, a, a mental champion. You can't argue that. No one will ever argue that. That's right. And if you do, especially in the in the aspect of golf, maybe in his professional life, he's had some. He's may not been thought world class or mentally tough, but in his world of golf, the guy is one of the most mentally tough players ever to play the game. And so, mental toughness applies to whatever aspect of life. We're we're just teaching people to apply it to the game of sales and network marketing to get what it is you want out of life. That's brilliant. Can you give us an example of a client that you've worked with and a success story that you can talk about? You don't have to obviously name names. No, I'd be happy to say their name. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were, there's companies that we've had that we've taken their sales. They're, they're at the bottom of the division and they wanted to move up. And within a year worth of work, we've been able to transform them to 12. Uh, we've had companies that we've worked with that we've taken them to numbers from seven to number one two years in a row. And these are massive corporations. I'm not going to give you their names, obviously, I can't. But just monster organizations, and everyone knows their names, their household names, that the mental toughness process has been in, and the results have been tremendous because of it. Individually speaking, you know, you could take any person that's ever applied the process and truly applied it, because just as the mental toughness process is for in life, the process itself is a process where you evolve into it. And if you take the process and the whole spectrum and change the those patterns, because habits don't change overnight. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but you know, the idea that habits change instantaneously is not neurologically possible. It, it doesn't even neuro it's a great personal development platitude that you change in that instant. No, but your habits don't. Your habits don't change in that instant. So it takes time for that to happen. But when it does and you transform the brain and you, you allow the brain to actually think through a new thought pattern, yeah, absolutely. You can have any success you want in whatever area of life you want. And so to change a habit, for example, that you talk about, how, how long does it take? Say, you know, you have somebody who is hungry to learn, they're hungry to apply what you're teaching them, they have the mental fortitude that they're committed to developing, how long would it take them to change a, a habits, so to speak? for high performance? It depends on what the, the attitude is. For example, if someone's got uh, an emotional affliction to something that they're tied to, then it takes a little bit longer. If someone applies the skills, does the tricks, then they see the results within 30 to 60 to 90 days. If It depends on what the barrier is as the marker 
on what the result is. You follow what I mean? Yes. Sure. Because you can change the way you think, but what is it the barrier that you're using as the marker? Is it sales numbers? Is it is it and depending on the industry, those numbers take a difference. We've taken the process and people have gone through our one day mental toughness university, gone out and all of a sudden just transformed their business from the one day program. But that's not going to be is that something that you would I would say is a sustainable process? Probably not because those habits are going to revert back. And then you have to keep it keep conditioning it. You know, it's like it, all the conditioning of the brain takes they say at least um, many years of conditioning to deprogram that you're you're working through. So it takes time to do it. So talk to us about this concept, Doctor, about collaboration versus competition. You have a really interesting perspective on that. Yeah, well, most of the world is competing. They're looking at competing against one another. And instead of working together, see, the thing is, just like we're, we're doing on this call and anyone who listens to this podcast, most people will look at their, their business model and say things like, okay, I'm competing against this person. I'm competing against that person. Right. Or Johnson Johnson's competing against this mega company. Or see, you know, Tempur-Pedic is competing against Serta. Really, you're competing for something called a market share. But in reality, you're not competing for business, if you, if you think about it. Most people realize that business is done people to people. So if you can create larger networks of people and work with more people and offer them something in their value system and financially reward them, be a part of their financial network. That's why network marketing is so powerful for what it does. It, it spreads the profits amongst the members that actually distribute the products. Right. I mean, there's no better model out there. It says we're all in collaborative company working together towards a common goal whether whatever the goal of the company is, whatever the vision that the, the CEO puts in place. But you work in co- collaboration by partnering with people. I'll give you an example. I was part of a network marketing company several years ago. And the, you know, the network marketing talks about recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. And I said, I'm going to flip the coin upside down. I'm saying, instead of recruiting, I'm going to talk about partnering. And I'm not going to talk about partnering with my customers. I'm going to talk about partnering with people. So what I did is I created a network of people that I let them know what I was doing. It was a health and weight loss uh, company, and I started working with them. And I said, you know what? Any person that you refer over to me that you know that wants to lose weight or get healthier or get more fit, whatever, whatever marketing slogan you want to use, um, if you send them my way, I'd be happy to, to cut you in on the commissions. I'd pay you 20 bucks or 25 a person for every person that signs up. I can't tell you the line of people. I had 50 referral partners set up from that process. And from that alone, I was getting two to three people a week that they were referring over. So the pipeline I had built of people was not that I was going out selling people because that's what most people do. Absolutely. Most people will go out and try and sell their friends, families. And, but that's not the way you build a business. You don't build a business by selling to your brother, your sister, your aunt, your uncle. You build a business by having a consistent stream of new clients that are coming in the door. And if you collaborate with people, collaborate with your mother, your father, your sister, your uncle, and let them refer people to you and pay them in the process and share with them what your profits are, they say, okay. But see, the fear scarcity mentality 
says, I'm not going to give away any penny that I have because there's going to be no more. I think it's really important what you're talking about, the fear and the scarcity that most people have. And that is one of the concepts that they have to learn to let go of, that they really, it's it's flipping that thinking to say, oh, I don't want to give away my commissions. Instead, it's an investment in your business. And once you let go of looking at it like lo- a loss and instead an investment, just like you're talking about, it could be very, very powerful to build your business like you do. Like, what would your business look like if you're recruiting two or three people a week? I mean, it would just be, it would be pretty substantial. Instantaneous. This is some of the stuff that we train through, through Mental Toughness University. If you work, if you think like what we call the world class, you realize that it's a collaborative world, right? It's funny how we, not to get too preachy or philosophical with this, but it's funny how we say that we're all one and we all work together and in this reality, but then you close the door and then you go, and then the person goes and talks right behind their back and steals from them. Let's, let's all create, not, and here's the thing, Patty, I don't say let go of scarcity and fear. I say embrace it. I say embrace the fear because what is fear? Fear is nothing more than a future of potentially not having something. Are you ever not going to have it? I mean, we're in America. We have every opportunity under the sun. There's no way we could have $27 trillion in debt. We're still going to have every, every opportunity better than not. I mean, I grew up, I'm Indian by descent, if you can't tell. <laughs> and, um, However, it is uh, a podcast. But, you know, Let's I, make I saw, note. Oh, that's true. It's true. So I'm Indian. And I, and I saw the slums in India where these people really had, really had to uh, come from a different place. And they, had, they, had, they worried about what they were going to eat for dinner. Right. I mean, most of us are not in those shoes. Just by being in America and being able to listen to a podcast, you've, you're doing something right already. I mean, let's just be honest with it. You're already in the land of abundance. Just tie your thinking to it. Let fear, I mean, embrace the fear. I, you know, a lot of people say the idea of, you know, don't function from anger. Don't come from fear. Don't, I say embrace it. Hold on to it. Because realize that if you're afraid of tomorrow not having enough, it's going to push you to do more today. How do you get into the zone, Dr. Lok? So for example, if you had a client, they're vibing with everything that you're saying and say, wow, that's really interesting. I can create this referral network system. How do I get my head in the zone? Because I have a hard time focusing. I hear that one as another excuse for people saying, I just have too much going on in my head, right? I have too many things. I'm a mom. I got to do the this. I got to do the PTO and whatnot. How do I stay focused? In creating that, what would be your tip? Yeah, I get that question. I've gotten that question probably for the last 10 years in my practice, um, seeing thousands of patients, and I get it in, in the speaking world as well. Here, here's I'm going to say something that probably isn't very uh, politically kosher. Politically kosher. That's I like that. Can we use that? Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> we could say politically halal, whatever you want. I mean, either way. <laughs> but the thing is this, is that stop trying to do everything. Do what you do best and delegate everything else. The more people do things and they not things that society wants you to do or your spouses want you to do or your, your friends and your family want you to do. Do the things that, you know, I, I'll tell you, I, do the things that you love to do. I'll give you an example. I, was, I always work on this strategy for myself as well and I started asking myself this weekend. I, I just did this exercise again for myself because I'd realized I'd gotten a little distracted. I was doing a, a bunch of things that didn't really matter to me as much. So I moved down to Georgia, and I'm a decent cook because I've been forced to become a decent cook. Um, you can't eat out every day, and you got to figure out how to make meals and things of that nature. So I started cooking, and, and uh, I'm like, oh, great, I can, I can cook. And so I spent Sundays cooking where I really should be doing what it is. I want to do what it is I love to do. Do I love to cook? 
<laughs> or do I love to speak, teach, train, write, and, and do what I'm doing now? Right. I enjoy to cook. Do I love it? No. So take every exercise that's, that you're doing in a day and ask yourself the critical thinking question, do I love it or do I enjoy it? Do I love it or do I enjoy it? I'll be honest, I'm a father and I, and I love my kids more than anything else on the planet. Do I love making lunch for them or do I enjoy it? I just enjoy it. I do what it is I love and I, I do what it is what I love. You know, that's this old saying that, that, uh, that we've all heard, do what you love and love what you do, right? Right. Most people, most people I, think, I think, at least this is my opinion, they're just afraid of doing what it is they love to do and, and telling people no. And it goes back to that approval addiction. Sure. There's a, there's a great book out there. I forgot the, the, the author, but um, I believe the title is Soar With Your Strengths. And um, that's you know ties in exactly what what you're uh, what you're talking about. We'll we'll uh, come up with it and put that that book in the show notes. And basically, it's saying exactly what Dr. Alok is saying, and, and it's essentially saying that it's kind of like the like Pareto's principle, right? The eighty twenty principle. Focus on the twenty percent that's going to make eighty percent of the difference. And that's basically you know what you're saying. So the question that, that I have for you, this is we're going to kind of take it off in a different different angle real quick here. Is what's the ballsiest move you've ever made as an entrepreneur? <laughs> I've made many. That's I've good. Made many ballsy moves. Yes, not some not too uh, profitable, <laughs> but nothing you know not financially profitable. Uh, experience profitable was enormous. I think the biggest thing I did is when I opened my practice. Um, at 25 years old with no money in my pocket and literally put, you know, bought the computer because that's, I got it from Dell. If you remember back in the day, Dell used to offer sure. financing. So I financed that. I financed my furniture. I financed everything. And, and I, I remember the day very, very clearly. I opened my practice December 30th, night 2004, and I had $11.42 in my bank account. Mm. And I had to figure out how I was going to get patients in the door. So I started knocking on doors and telling people that there's a new new office, new chiropractic office around the corner, and uh, we'd love to take care of them. And I knocked on a thousand doors. Wow! Wow! As a doctor, pretty it was a pretty humbling experience. I had a pit bull attack me. Um, <laughs> I had a, uh, I had an eighty year old woman kind of kind of lean in a little bit, and I kind of pushed that away. Um, it led to a lot of different experiences, but that was one of the greatest experiences of my life, and it taught me that. Entrepreneurship is not easy. It's not meant to be easy. Because exactly. if it was, everyone would do it. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, that was one of the balls you today. I would say, yeah, knocking on a thousand doors, that's definitely uh, not something that everyone would want to do. There's no, no question about it. That's not, that's not easy. I'll, I'll tell you, Tim, it, was, it wasn't that it just, you know, if you're a Kirby salesman, then fine, then that's part of your job. But if you're a doctor, the ego gets into the way. Oh, I'm sure. What are you going to do? You know, you just spent. Hundreds of thousand dollars and thousands of dollars becoming a doctor, and you got this title. Everyone looks up to you that you're a doctor. You're the biggest name in your family, and you're knocking on doors like the guy who's selling Kirby vacuum cleaners. And not that there's anything wrong with it, but I'm just saying that the, your ego plays a huge game with you. And every day, it's uh, when you when I got up, I remember, man, it was in the humid Chicago winters or excuse me, summers, um, and I'm wearing a shirt and tie. I got arrested. For not having a solicitor's license twice. Oh wow! <laughs> By the same cop. He was he was he was waiting around the corner for you. <laughs> so I think he was the first time. First time he took me in and he said, "Sir, you can't uh, you you can't do that." And I said, "I'm so sorry." He said, "You have to get a solicitor's permit." And I said, 
oh, I, I didn't know that. I'll go get it. And I went, so I went the next day, I went to the solicitors to get a permit. And the permit, they said it would take four to six weeks. My practice was opening, and, and I, had, I needed names. Right. I didn't have time. I didn't have four to six weeks. So the next day, I went back out there and started knocking on doors. And he came and uh, pulled me over, and he put me back in. Now, I, I'm sure, obviously, to, do, to, to hit that volume, that there was some type of mental toughness, obviously, that you had a, had a tribute to, to being able to go through all that. Was there something that you used to, to get through it? Like, did you have a, a routine or a ritual that helped you uh, create um, getting through all, all, you know, the, all the no's and whatnot? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and this isn't very... Uh, Again, politically, politically kosher. <laughs> yeah, politically kosher. I think the thing for me was uh, every day I thought about the doubters, the ones that said I couldn't. Mm. And to this day, I still think the ones that the ones that they say I can't, because you know I, I have a saying that I've always my dad always taught me, and it's the one belief system my dad always put in my head, and it's one that I instill um, in my children, and and I think it's probably the most powerful thing that he's ever done as a father. Um, is that you can do anything you put your mind to. And it sounds so simple. It sounds so simple. I get it. It's nothing revolutionary. It's nothing that's going to – but all the people that said I couldn't and the people that said I was going to fail, uh, it wasn't enough for me. I, I couldn't uh, – I didn't – I believed in myself more than anyone else did. And I think that's the most important key to any, any – you know, to have the balls, as you're saying it. Right to be a boss, to be a boss, to live in a boss-free society, to have the balls to believe in yourself, not anyone else. No one else is going to do it. It's brilliant. So before we get to the last question, uh, is there anything that we haven't covered about you know, mental toughness or uh, competition versus collaboration that you want our listeners to, to know now? Well, I think you guys are doing it here. I think you guys are collaborators. We're, you're working with people and bringing the information out to the, you know, the, the, the digital media stream so people can work together. And you guys are working together as partners and partnering with other people on these shows to collaborate and help get, to get their information out to other people and create a, a network of people that want to work together. I think you guys are the prime example of collaborators. And, and Tim, you and I have worked you know, in many different things in the past. Yep. And you're, you're an extreme collaborator. And that's why the show is going to do really well because you guys see the grander picture in it. It's not just about you. It's about serving everyone else with what you can do. Exactly. Absolutely. Patty, do you want to do the honors of the last question? Ooh, I, he always asks the last question, Dr. Loke, so I'm actually really honored that he's passing yes. me the torch on this one. Okay, Dr. Loke, intense question for you. What sage sure. advice can you offer our Boss Free Society ballers something that they can do in the next 24 to 48 hours that can move their business or their mission to start a business forward? Get angry. Get angry with the things that you do not like in your life. Get very angry. It, it, my kids have a thing. When I get angry, it's like it's almost like you go and go, turn into the Hulk. <laughs> it sounds silly. <laughs> turn into the Hulk. Get so angry that you will not stop until you win. Love it. Most people are afraid of using anger. It's, we live in this society that everyone's got to be nice and kind, and, and you can't be angry. It's bad to be mad. No, it's great to be mad. Use the anger as your fuel to have the life that you want because it's not going to happen being nice and soft. It's only going to happen when you get pissed off with yourself and that person in the mirror. Make that difference by getting angry at yourself. 
There you have it. Get angry, people. Get angry enough to take action and to make a difference in your life and just been full of great information. Again, I know we say this, but take a listen again and again because the information here is literally like having sitting with us the mentorship of Dr. Logue, his hindsight is your foresight. And this is what he, this is just literally a a very high level snapshot of what he offers with mental toughness. So Dr. Logue, an honor to have you on. We're going to have all the information of how people can connect with you in our show notes, more about mental toughness and the programs that you offer. So thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you guys. Appreciate it greatly. Thank you for listening to the Boss Free Society podcast. If you want more, connect with us on Facebook at Boss Free Society fan page, Twitter at Boss Free Society, or join our group of other boss-free-minded peeps at the Boss Free Dojo on Facebook.